Hey, this is Javier Rodriguez from Nashville, Tennessee. Hi, this is Eli Stansel from Hog Mountain, Georgia. Hey, this is Tom from Sparta, Michigan, and you're listening to the Dad Tired Podcast. How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Dad Tired Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Lopes. Join me every Monday as we dive into what it looks like to be men who fall in love with Jesus and help our families do the same. You can learn more about our books, resources, conferences, and even online community by going to dadtired.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Today's episode of the Dad Tired Podcast is brought to you by Blinkist. With our ever-changing routines, there's never been a better time to learn something new. But with thousands of options available, finding the best way to learn can be challenging. That's why I recommend an app called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique and powerful. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist gives you the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from over 3,000 nonfiction bestsellers in over 27 categories. Blinkist condenses them down into what they call blinks that you can either read or listen to in just 15 minutes. And now Blinkist offers its members even more, including exclusive original podcasts from top authors and creative thinkers. You still get access to the entire Blinkist library with your membership. And now you can also dive deeper into full length nonfiction audiobooks at a special discounted price. That's why over 14 million people are using Blinkist right now, including me, which I like to read a few books before bed every night, which is hard to do for us busy dads. Some popular books that have been my favorite over the last couple months are Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker and Everybody Always by Bob Goff, who is a former dad's hired guest. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash tired to start your free seven-day trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership and up to 65% off audiobooks yours to keep forever. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com forward slash tired to get 25% off a premium membership and a seven-day free trial, Blinkist.com slash tired. All right, Benil, so glad that you're hanging out with us today, man. Uh, for the audience who may not be super familiar with you, why don't you tell us who you are and what you're up to these days? Uh, my name is Ben Ilgaryush. I am a Iranian-born uh, Assyrian. I came to America when I was about nine years old. I started doing jujitsu when I was 18. At 20 years old, I had my first professional MMA fight. And now I am in the UFC at 31 years old with 18 fights and currently ranked number 11. So awesome, dude. So I watched the, the way that we got connected just to give listeners context is uh, I was watching the fights on Saturday on ESPN, uh, watched you fight. It was actually the first time I'm a big fight fan, but it was the first time I had seen you fight uh, on TV. And so I watched you fight and the whole foot, like your fight was the one I actually jumped off the couch. You know, my son was watching with me. I jumped off the couch. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this dude's amazing. Like the, everything about the way you were fighting, I was just stoked. And then the way you finished that fight was just absolutely insane. And so I, I was already a fan. Like, I'm like, all right, I need to Google everything about this guy and figure everything I need to about this guy. And then you do your post fight interview. And the guy who was commentating that fight, you know, asked you who you want to call out. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Calling out people's easy. I don't really want to call anyone out, but I would like to dedicate this win to Rabbi Zacharias. And I was like, oh my gosh, dude, this guy's a fellow believer and he's a stud fighter. Like, 
I just need to get to know him. So I reached out to you on Instagram and you were gracious enough to uh, hit me back up. And that was like four days ago. And here we are. <laughs> yeah, uh, here we are. And you know, what's amazing. Uh, I get like nearly 10,000 messages. So bet. I try to scroll through them and I, I try to pick the ones that like, there's going to be something like worth because some of them are just uh, doing the mentioning or they're, yeah, just, yeah. Uh, they're just saying something, but like certain people are asking something of me that is actually important or that they, they want, uh, uh, they want to tell me something that's important. So I'll, I'll try to go through and find those ones. And uh, surely enough, man, I was able to find you and, and uh, read your message because <laughs> I, let me put it this way. I just shut down my Instagram, my Twitter, and my Facebook. I deleted off my phone because um, it's it's uh, it was taking all my time. I'm and sure. After a fight, I I rather spend that time with my family, my wife, and yeah. And so for the next month, I'm 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 kind of fasting from my social media. I love that. Oh, I well, I want to talk about that among all kinds of different stuff. But uh, just coming off of this weekend's fight, I'm sure guys will be curious about this. Um, dude, I pulled the weeds last Saturday. Like while you were fighting, I was like pulling weeds out in my, in my yard and I'm still sore from that. <laughs> you know? So like for you, like getting in a fight at thir- I'm 33, you're 31. You said, uh, like how do you, rec- how long is the recovery process from getting in a fight? So this fight, uh, the two things that were terrible that, that are still hurting me, my <laughs> eyes, I got poked in the eyes. Yeah. And my, my shin, I threw a kick and he checked it perfectly. He mm. did it a perfect check, meaning he brought his, he turned his shin and my shin connected with him. And he doesn't take as much jam, damage because of the angle, but I, my shin hurts. So my, my shin's pretty swollen. It's uh it's coming down though. I've been, I've been going to the gym already, but I've been mainly doing either uh, some physical therapy exercises or, um, just cardio stuff like on a bike or something. So in some ways I'm back in the gym already kind of recovered, but I would say I'll probably be back to normal next week. That's and crazy. as far as, as far as being sore, you, you have to understand I'm, I do like two practices a day and, and they're high intensity practices. If, if, if I get, um, sore from a fight, it means I was not in good shape. So that, hmm there's a problem that I would be very disappointed in myself if I got sore from uh, just from the activity and not from the actual impact of kicks and punches. Yeah. For a normal person like me, uh, if you, if, if I did a leg kick like that, would my legs snap in half? Like, do you, how do you train your shin to just not, I played soccer growing up and I'm like, dude, if you, you played soccer too, right? And you, you know, normal person kicks somebody like that without shin guards on, you're like, your, your shin snapping. <laughs> I don't know if it would sh- snap because uh, your your shin is surprisingly tough, but I think you would be in pain for maybe <laughs> months. Uh, to be honest, because that's how it was for me when I first did it. I remember I was like 18 or 19 and I kicked someone's knee and I was not able to train properly for months. Hmm. What, how did you get into fighting? I remember I read on somewhere on your Instagram, you talked about uh, you were using a $10 mouthpiece. You had 30 minutes in the octagon experience and then, you know, three weeks, uh, time they were calling you to do your first fight. And you know, how did that all come about? Oh yeah. That was my first UFC fight. 
my first UFC fight, they gave me three weeks notice. Uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I didn't know anything about fighting. I, I wasn't like doing it. It wasn't like, uh, I wasn't that professional. I had just started working on it. And how do you get a call from the USC then? I had a manager and I was six uh, and oh, but okay. let me, let me, let, let me go back and how I started and then we can get to that. Yeah. So I started jujitsu when I was 18 and I started doing jujitsu. Um, it was in May, May 9th, actually. It was, I remember it was three days after my birthday because my mm. mom wouldn't sign the papers for me to start doing jujitsu. Oh, wow. So I started doing jujitsu just because I wanted to do something to stay active. I was about to go to college. I was scared of gaining weight and getting mm. fat. Mm. So I did that. I, I started doing jujitsu three months in. I'm doing it every day. I'm in love with it. My coach is like, Hey, you know, you're doing pretty good. Do you want to compete? And I said, sure. I'll, I'll try to competition. I jumped into a competition and surprisingly I won the competition mm. and you know, it, right there, it got me. Like yeah. I was hooked. Yeah. So I went from that competition to another competition in like two weeks later. And I don't remember if I won or I placed, but something like that happened and, and just I was so hooked that I couldn't stop thinking about it and then winning was this amazing thing that I just couldn't get enough of yeah at that time it was everything I mm. made winning my god at that time mm. I remember th- I remember if I won a tournament I was good for a couple of days couple of weeks whatever it may be and if I lost the tournament my whole life was just ruined. Mm. I, it, I, in the not so much in the beginning, but as I got further in, that's what it became, and mm. it was uh, it, it was leading me to destruction, man. Mm. It, I, I eventually ended up uh, just done with everything. I, I uh, the more I think about it, I can see how it was just a path to to, to, to nothingness. Mm. So. Um, I started doing jujitsu. I was going to school and I, I had a job. I, I think I was working at Baskin Robbins at the time. Nice. <laughs> that was one of my, that was one of the best jobs ever, by the way. <laughs> I, I was doing that, but I started to schedule everything around my training. I, I would make sure my work was at a time where it didn't conflict with my training, my school, same thing. I was barely getting enough sleep, but I didn't care. I was getting it done. Hmm. And that was my life for two years. And I, I went up the ranks. Uh, I started as a beginner, as a white belt. I won I won the world as a white belt. And then the next belt is a blue belt. I won the world as a blue belt next year. And then the year after that was the purple belt worlds. I won the world as a purple belt. So I, I was just like jumping through the line. I was just going as fast as I can. And normally you don't get promoted every year. But if, if you win the worlds, there's no... There's no denying you. You're you, right. you're the best in that division, so you get promoted. So I won the worlds, got promoted. Won the worlds, got promoted. Won the worlds, got promoted. And at purple belt, uh, one of my coaches was like, "Hey, you know, you're doing pretty good. You want to try an MMA fight?" At first, I thought he was joking. I was like, "Yeah, whatever, <laughs> sure." And um, and then one day I'm home. It must have been like 9 p.m. or something. Uh, he calls me and he's like, Hey, I, I got you an MMA fight. And I was like, what? And I, he's like, yeah, yeah, I got you an MMA fight. And I was thinking to myself, this guy's serious. <laughs> and 
I was also thinking to myself, if I say no to him, he's going to, he's going to think I'm scared. You know, he went out of his way to get this fight for me. And it, it's probably just an amateur fight. Let's just, let's just do it and just get it over with whatever. It, it, I'm going to get beat up for like one time and then that's it, whatever. And I say, I, I'm like, okay, let's just do it. So as soon as I say, let's do it, he's like, okay, you have to go do your medicals. The fight's going to be this date and uh, they require this stuff. I was like, medicals? Why, why do I need medicals for an amateur fight? He's like, it's not an amateur fight. It's a professional fight. And then oh my like goodness. my, my heart sank again. Yeah. I've never, I've never, uh, had an MMA fight. I, I had a little bit of striking experience because there was a TKD coach that he, <laughs> it was, he used to teach me like Muay Thai supposedly in boxing, <laughs> but it was in reality, it's just his, his version of uh, TKD. Yeah. So I, um, I jumped into the fight a month uh, it must have been like a month and a half later, six weeks later, and I won a split decision. Wow. Man, it was it was so bad, but man, I, I won the decision. It, I I remember going out puking afterwards. I I, I just couldn't. I I uh, I don't know from, what I did from nerves. Like just puking from nerves. from the fight, yeah, and the yeah. nerves. I I just I won the fight, and I went outside, and I, I was just trying to breathe. I. I, I I thought I was in good shape, but I guess not. Hmm. And I puked and I remember sitting there looking at my coaches. My sister was there and my cousins were there. I'm like, I'm never going to do this again. This was so stupid. I'm only going to do jujitsu. <laughs> jujitsu is way better. And uh, so that, that was my first experience with an MMA fight. With that being said, I went back to jujitsu and I continued to uh, progress all the way up to brown belt. And actually, this is pretty much my testimony. This is how I came to know Christ. Mm. Um, let me put on uh, my phone on because I'm getting, I'm supposed to go pick up eye medication because I uh, have poked in the eye and yeah. CBS is blowing up my phone. <laughs> um, I, now, I was 20 when I free, did my first professional fight. Now, okay. at 22, I... Um, I'm at the peak of jujitsu. I, I want these. This is the belt system. You got white belt, blue belt, purple, brown, and black. I won the world as a purple belt, like I mentioned. I won the world as a brown belt, uh, and I was at the black belt level. I was, I was considered like one of the t uh, top prospects, and they were talking about me. And they're just like, "Where did this kid come from?" Um, there's a match of me against a guy uh, named Cron Gracie, and a lot of people thought I won that match and Kron at that, you know, he was a black belt when I started, he, I, I was a white belt. He, he was a black belt when I started wow. and he was already like destroying everybody on the scene. And I had a match with him as a Brown belt. And I, it was a, it was a tournament where they put the, us together and I almost beat him. Mm. I, I thought I beat him. I, mm. I don't know how, what happened with the rules with the referees, but, um, they, they, uh, they did some funny stuff there because the commentators thought I won. Anyways, I can't. I was at. I was at. I was at the peak yeah. of uh, my uh, competition, and 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 people were really looking forward to it for me in MMA. I mean, in jujitsu, but um, God had different plans. Um, similar to Abraham, He moved me out of my comfort zone, and He brought me to a completely different place. He brought me to MMA. 
I I remember one one time going home because I would spend most of my time up in LA for training, uh, going home and my mom telling me, hey, you know, Iran and America are having issues and we used to be able to get our money out this way, but now we can't. Hmm. And I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking to myself, okay, I'm not really sure why she's telling me this, but whatever, let's just listen and get this over with. But she says to me, this is this is the one that really got me. She says, "What are we gonna do?" Mm. And I'm like, "I don't know." She, and and she says it again, "What are we gonna do?" And she's basically saying, "What are you gonna do?" And mm. you gotta understand, even though I worked, I was working like I worked at Baskin Robbins, I worked security jobs, I worked, I worked just to pay for my own competition, and yeah. I was very self centered. I. I uh, and spoiled too, actually. My mom would, if I ever needed money, she would just bail me out. Was your was dad around sh- or was it just you? No, my my parents were split. My dad lived in um, is it Lake Forest, which is like 45 minutes away, but he's a truck driver. So okay. he, uh, you barely see him. He goes across country. I'll, I'll see him like, I was fortunate enough to see him Monday, but I probably won't see him for another month. Like it's wow. one of those things. Okay. So she, she tells me this and, and she basically says, what are we going to do? And man, I just remember thinking, like being, thinking to myself, looking back now, thinking to myself, I was one of the top prospects, whatever. It took her like three words to break me. Mm. What are we going to do? I, I went to my room and I was just freaking out. I remember I was freaking out for, for hours and I just thought to myself, like, there's nothing I can do. I'm going to have to quit jujitsu and get a regular job. And that, that like broke my heart. Like right mm-hmm. there, my, my heart was breaking. And I, I was like, if, you know, I, I, my family is Christian, uh, but I would say by name as, as far as uh Christian, mm-hmm. we don't, we don't really attend church that much at the time. And so I, Obviously, I know of a God. I didn't even have a clear image of who God was. I, I just was like, if if you're up there, if you're real, yeah. help me. Like, do something. Get me out of this. Like, I, I don't want to be in this situation. Like, do something. And, uh, yeah, that, that was kind of like, that, that was my prayer. I was like, get me out of this. I don't want to be in this, you know. And, mm. and it was like that. And for uh, maybe like. A week later, I get a call from a MMA coach of mine. He, he, he's somebody I worked with a couple of times who uh, I really appreciated. Uh, Rafael Cordero, he's one, he's one of the best coaches ever. I still work with him. Yeah. He calls me and he says to me, hey, kid, do you want to fight in Brazil? And I, and I thought to myself, Brazil? I've been trying to go there forever just to compete in jiu-jitsu because that's uh, considered the Mecca or whatever right. you want to call it. Right. Um, he says to me, you want to fight in Brazil? I'm like, Mass, you know, right now I, I don't really, I don't really have that ability right now. I need to, uh, like I need to get a job and, and, and be a grown up. I need to be a real person. And he, he says to me, don't worry, kid, they're going to pay you. And, uh, they're going to pay you this much. And I was, when he said they're going to pay, cause my first <laughs> professional fight, I pretty much paid to fight. I, my medicals right. cost more than the paycheck I got. I think yeah. I got like a $500 paycheck and my medicals were like $750. <laughs> yeah. 
So he tells me how much they're going to pay me. My eyes are just like, what? That yeah. much money to fight? Yeah. And I was like, maybe this, this is from God. And yeah. I said, okay, I'll do it. And he's like, okay, we're going to go there in a month. I was like, the sooner the better at this point for me, right. I, I need to make, I, I need to make money. So we, we, uh, we start training for the fight. We trained hard. We head out there. We, I went in the first round. We have a good fight, good, mm. good turnaround. We come back home and I give my mom the money and she's like, Oh, this is great. Uh, and I'm like, okay, mom, I'm going back to jujitsu kind of thing. You know, I, 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 uh, I was like, this should be enough. And she's like, yeah, this is great for this month. What are we going to do for the next month? I, I, I didn't really have an idea of like how money worked, to be honest. Right. Even though I was like 20, 23, I didn't really understand how money works. And, right. Well, so like, you know, she starts telling me, oh, we have these bills. And and like, you know, we have some debt because your sister went to school. And, and, and uh, you know, I have credit card debts because uh, it's good to build credit. And, and, you know, we were getting money like consistently from Iran. And she starts telling me all of this. And, and I basically have the same thing I had earlier. My heart breaks. I go mm-hmm. back into my room and I'm like, it's over. I'm not going to be able to... Uh, jiu-jitsu i gotta go back and getting a job it's so fat it's so funny how easy we break oh like, yeah. yeah it's so incredible you know it just happened like a month ago i went in my room i prayed and god provided and and, mm. and i instead of going right away to ask him for help again i break so mm. i go back and i break and i was like oh crap maybe i can do the same thing i did last time so i'm like okay i'll try praying i i pray again and when I start, uh, th- I pray this time and uh, kind of similar thing happens. I get a call from a friend of mine and he's like, you know, we used to work jujitsu together and I really liked how you taught me. He's like, could you do some one-on-ones with me? Uh, and I was like, all right. And, and at that time, I did, when I did it first time, I didn't take money. I just was like, it's fine. I don't really need the money right now. And he's like, you know, I'll, I'll pay you per session. And I was like, and I, I didn't even think about what he was saying at the moment. I was like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. So we start. I started doing one-on-ones with him. And he started giving me like $100 for each mm-hmm. time I did a one-on-one. And I, at that time, I was like, what the heck? Why is this guy giving me so much money? Yeah. But I, 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 I couldn't say no because I was in such a difficult place. I was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to say thank you. And he's like, okay, so when can we do this again? I was like, uh, I guess we can do that tomorrow. And then we went from like, we went from zero to doing three to five, uh, one-on-ones a day. I mean, a week, oh, a week. Wow. So I, I was like, what the heck is going on right now? Wow. And then on top of that, I got called for another fight. And so at every turn, God provided. And, and every time I needed kind of guidance and counseling, and I didn't know what to do and what was going on, he provided. And one day I got a, uh, met, met, met one of my wrestling coaches and he happened to be a pastor hmm. and, um, Assyrian churches, you have to understand they speak in Aramaic. It's an mm-hmm. old dialect. I can barely understand it. So I would go mm-hmm. to church and sit down. I I'd get nothing out of it. And then I just leave yeah. and, and I go hang out with my friends after he started talking about the church and Jesus and, and these things. And I was like, I've never heard of this stuff before. So I, that kind of caught my mind. I was like, okay, there's that. And then, and then on top of that, he invited me to church. He's like, you know, Sundays you can come to church and the church happened to be like three minutes from my house. Hmm. And I was like, 
I'll think about it. On Sundays, I normally train and, you know, I got to provide. So right now training is the way I provide, but I'll think about it. But just it sat with me and I just couldn't like get away from it. And I said, all right, you know what? I'll, I'll go check it out. I went to church and I sat there and it was, I don't know why it was so uncomfortable. And looking back at it, it was probably the enemy just trying to make me uncomfortable. So I would leave. I was like, man, I don't belong here. This mm-hmm. isn't for me, blah, blah, blah. Like during the worship uh, music, I felt really like, I felt really tense. And I'm sure this this must happen a lot with uh, new people, but uh, I was just struggling the whole time. Um, but um, I, I stuck with it. I stayed in and, mm-hmm. I, and then I said, I'll come back next Sunday. And I just started coming back and I started learning a little bit, a little, but it wasn't fast enough. So I, I, I said, I'm going to pick up my Bible because this Jesus character is nothing like the Jesus character that I knew of. Mm-hmm. He was, he was more like a, um, I, I, I don't know. He was just somebody like in, in, uh, in, this, in our language, like, um, like when somebody sneezes, you, you say his name or when, when you want to bless somebody or you just want to say, Hey, you know, you know, you use his name and things like that. That's all I ever heard about him. So I just started hearing about him and things that he did. And I, I was like, you know, I, I, I just want to hear more about him because everything about Jesus was the complete opposite of who I was. Mm. I was pretty much a savage. I, I really was like fighting was the easiest thing I could do. I love to argue. I love to fight mm. and building things was very difficult for me. He was complete opposite of me, but yet he was still fighting. He was, he's still like full of grace and just able to do so much and build so much without fighting and and that that completely caught my eye early on and so i started reading the bible and i forced myself to read the whole thing and i didn't understand a lot because i i chose not to go to um, any help i just tried to do it on my own mm. but it, it, at the same time i was still captivated even though i didn't understand i was still captivated and i kept going to church and the more i understood about jesus the more man it just my heart just started. I, at some point I was just like, I, I, I don't know what I've been living for. I've been mm-hmm. living for just to win. I've been living for victory. And, uh, at that point I, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. And that's basically when I took a knee and I, and I, I gave my life uh, to the Lord. And I said, like, wow. I, I don't want to live a life for victory because I've tried this and it's not working, you know? Wow. So that that was pretty much it. I would say I was around like 24 years old, but it was a process, man. Because I, yeah. I was going to church from 23 to like, I mean, I'm still going to church, but it was a process because I was so rebellious. I was so stubborn. I just, he wanted things his way and it's the right way. And I, I was like, man, you know, I'm seeing the change in my life. So I want to listen to you, but I don't want to change this. And I don't want to change this. So maybe we can compromise and, <laughs> and you know, God doesn't compromise. So uh, it, it, it was one of those things where little by little, he just broke me down and every day I just give my life to him. Dude, that's amazing. What I love about that story is that your deciding to come to Jesus was not that he was just meeting all these needs for you, but that you looked at the person of Jesus and decided he's the opposite of me. And I want, like, I want to be like that. And it was, it wasn't just like, man, maybe if I give my life to Jesus, he'll keep giving me these paychecks. But it was like, it was so much deeper than that. It was your character. You evaluated your righteousness to the righteous, and you realize, like, dude, I'm, I'm nowhere near this. Uh, I need to change in me. I, what a cool, cool salvation story, bro. That's amazing. Thanks, bro. I remember just 
at one point feeling guilty because I, I remember I, I was almost testing God. I was like, you know what? I, I'm just going to ask him for something and see if it happens. Like I, I would start, I just started asking for things just to see if, and they were happening. And, and don't get me wrong. There were all things that I needed uh, and uh, my family needed at that time, but they were just happening. So hmm. I, I, I started to feel guilty. I was like, what? why is this man or why is this God opening up every door for me? And mm. what does he want from me? And, and that's when it started, you know, I started praying to him to like, to know what he wanted from me. I ended up at church and I ended up just knowing who Jesus was, man. I, I wish as a kid that like in church, they didn't teach me anything but that they just yeah. told me the stories of Jesus and what he did and his character. That, yeah. That's all I wish I had as a kid. And, uh, but you know, I wouldn't change anything because for it sure. brought me here for sure. Hey guys, hope you are enjoying the interview so far. We got a lot more to go, but I just want to take a quick pause and thank my friends over at Osmo for sponsoring today's episode. I know a lot of you guys are choosing to homeschool your kids, or maybe you're being forced to homeschool your kids and you're looking for different resources that will just help you on that journey. One of my favorite resources is Osmo. It makes your kids feel like they're playing games on their tablet and yet they are learning some really, really cool information. One of the newest things that they have are some coding games that is going to help introduce coding to your kids. So if they like to spend some time on the iPad or the tablet and you feel maybe a little bit guilty about that, you'd like that they would continue to learn, definitely check out playosmo.com. They have all kinds of resources to either help them read with math And like I said, they have some new coding games that are really, really cool for the kids that introduce them into some really fun skills. So go to playosmo.com, check out all the games that they have. Uh, Again, this is going to be really helpful for you in your homeschooling journey to help you with some new resources for your kids. Again, that's playosmo.com. Dude, that's amazing. Uh, I want to come back to all that. Um, One thing that stuck out to me at the beginning of kind of your fight journey, you said that you, I've been hearing you say lately in interviews that you, uh, they keep telling you it gets easier. Like it's supposed to get easier every fight and this, like it's not getting any easier for you and you still walk out there like nervous. Like what, what are you feeling? What are you feeling in those moments? You know, what's crazy before I was a Christian, it was easier. Mm. I was honestly, it was so much easier for me because I, I would just say I worked hard. I deserve this. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to smash whoever's in front of me. Mm. And uh, now I understand it's different. I understand. uh, I think it's in uh, Ecclesiastes that say, uh, that says uh, it's not always the fastest gazelle that gets away from the, Mm. from, from the lion. It it basically says God decides ultimately everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I understand it's, it's not just my hard work. Sometimes my losing is a bigger victory for the kingdom than my winning. So if that's the case, like I have to bend my will to that. And so with that being said, or not bend it, I just have to change my will. And then I have to agree. I have to go with that. With that being said, it it changes things a lot. I don't just get to be the old Benny, the the savage that said, I'm just going to go out there and and smash everything. it, It puts it puts a lot more pressure on me. It, it forces me to rely on God. It, it forces me to say, Lord, your will be done, not mine. And mm. I think that's where it comes from. Mm. I want to win, but I also know it's not about my victory. So it's, 
it's such a battle, man. And and before I go out there, the enemy's in your head, like, hey, you know, just don't fight, just get out of here, just get go away. And that's that's what it is. But as soon as I step on inside, or actually, as soon as I start to walk out, sing my music, and, and uh, I like to listen to uh, Lauren Daigle um, as I walk out. I listen to Roll- still Rolling Stones. Yeah, and I just it all goes away. All the nerves go away, and I'm I'm just back to just back to zero and 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 i'm able to just perform the way i should dude your your posture of just like submitting to god and everything is so like i hope the listeners just capture that like dude whether for you it's you know it's a fight thing um but for for anyone it's like i'm gonna pursue my dreams i'm gonna try to go after things i want i'm gonna work hard at my job, whatever it is, but ultimately to say, like, I, I am submitting myself to the will of God and whatever he wants to do here. And even, I love what you said, even, uh, even to lose might be a bigger, uh, have a greater impact for the kingdom. And just recognize that like my, my wins and, and losses, it doesn't matter. Like ultimately here, I'm here for the, for the sake of Christ. Yeah. And it was hard to get that get to that and remember like, i'm sure it's a daily earlier. i'm sure it's like a daily yeah. Thing still. yeah yeah i like i was a guy i told you earlier like my god was victory like, yeah. it, it, winning was my god so like it was really difficult but you know the thing that helped me a lot with this was scripture reading scripture you mm-hmm. see it over and over and over and over again every single character in the bible has the same problem they want their will be to be done, yeah, not yeah. God's will. And and eventually they'll either conform or, you know, like Cain, they'll just, they'll, they'll go on their own or, or, um, and yeah. So, or like the Israelites who, who got sacked by, uh, by Assyria and uh, Babylon, but like all throughout the Bible, you have these characters who do this and I was still doing it. I was still, and I still do sometimes, but like, the only one who didn't do that was Jesus. He just completely yeah. uh, followed God's will. And, and, you know, and I finally figured out, okay, like I got to do that. And it's not easy, but that's what I got to do. I got to make sure I do it in everything that I, 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 I want and uh, everything that I want to do, even if it, even if it means not reaching my goals as far as being champion, but I believe I will be champion because just there's no reason not to well bro let's just say i believe that too not that my opinion in the fight world matters at all but i believe that too which is uh, why i'm really grateful that i get to talk to you now before those ten thousand messages turn into 10 million messages and i would have never got a chance to talk to you but um some some people who i've been a fight fan for a long time since i was in high school i've been watching fights but uh some people who just have no you know they haven't watched any fights or not familiar with mma they're hearing like, all right, dude, you're submitting yourself to Jesus. You're listening to worship music as you're walking out there to go beat somebody up. Like, how do you reconcile, uh, you know, praising God right before you're about to go pound some dude's face in? That's a good question. And you know, when I speak in front of kids, this is the first topic I go over because I think it's really important. Um, when I compete, I'm not competing to, my goal isn't to hurt my enemy. My goal is more about I spent hours perfecting one, a single technique mm-hmm. to be able to get out there and perform that technique perfectly in a fight. Like I I've thrown that spinning back. Well, I haven't thrown it recently, but I used to throw that spinning back fist 
every single practice and every single mm. sparring. And I just wanted to, to be, you know, I, I want to be, uh, be able to do it perfectly. And that's what I worked so hard for. I didn't care. Like, I, I don't care that I hurt somebody. I don't want to hurt somebody. I, I rather, um, I rather just get a choke and be done with it. But I, I practice so hard for stuff like that. And the goal was never, uh, never violence. The goal was always to be disciplined, to, 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 perfect my technique and to go out there and display it. And that's, that's what I always tell kids. Like yeah. martial arts is in violence. Martial arts is about discipline and honing your skill. Yeah. I, uh, you know, that for somebody who hasn't watched MMA or fighting that, that might be hard to understand, but being somebody who's watched it for so long, some of the best sportsmanship I've ever seen is in mixed martial arts and just two guys who respect each other a ton. I'm going to go, I've been practicing a ton. You've been practicing a ton. Let's see what we can, what we can come up with. And then the sportsmanship afterwards, again, is just like, it's insane. I don't, if two guys, I'm, you know, I'm I'm pointing out my window for somebody who can't see who's not watching this, but if two guys start fighting right outside my house right now, like, I don't want to watch that. I don't like violence. I don't want to see somebody hate filled, try to hurt somebody else like that. That is sickening to me. That's not, and that's not fun for me to watch. But uh, again, what you're saying, like two people who have really honed their craft. Um, so that, yeah, my mom still to this day is like, how can you even watch this? Stuff? I'm just like, well, you have no, you have no, my mom used your mom, to say yeah. that. Yeah. How does your mom, mom feel about it? <laughs> my mom used to hate it. My mom actually thought I was dumb for doing this and that I should just stick with school. And she didn't even like jujitsu. She hmm. thought she was telling me like, Hey, you know, you just, you know, you're just wasting your time. My family thought the same thing. I was kind of the black sheep of the family. And by the way, I have a huge family. And then it goes like this. I got uh, lawyers, doctors, accountants. I have entrepreneurs, uh, family members who started their own businesses. I have it all we, yeah. in my family. Yeah. And then there was me who's like <laughs> fighting people. Like, what, yeah. like, you know, what are you doing, kid? Go. You need to get serious. And they didn't actually, uh, well, my mom didn't actually uh, start to support me until I started to support her. Yeah. Like that was the big change. She recognized like, you know, I'm putting my butt out there. I'm working hard just to make sure I can bring food home. And and when she saw that, she, she started to uh, accept everything more. And then now she knows more about MMA than I do. She, <laughs> she, she reads That's more funny. articles and, and stays <laughs> stays up to date and talks about fighters more than I do. She'll, yeah. she'll call me and be like, did you see what happened with Nate Diaz? And I'll be like, no mom, I don't know what happened with Nate Diaz or Jorge Masvidal or it, like, That's it, it just is. Yeah, it is what it is. And, but yeah, that, that, that was it. Yeah. How's your, how's your wife feel when she's watching you in there? Well, she's, she's, She's getting more nervous with each fight, but she's okay with it because okay. um, she actually did, she did martial arts. So oh, she wow. started doing martial martial arts. She started uh, training at Kings in in Huntington when it was, mm. she was eighteen or nineteen. Mm. So she's been doing martial arts for almost ten years as well. Oh, she's wow. pretty good. Yeah, she she if you um, if you watch my last fight, they did this countdown thing where. And she was doing my mid holding. My coaches weren't in town uh, yet. Oh, wow. and she does my mid holding, and she does a great job. And everybody was kind of surprised, but man, she can she can do jujitsu. She can do muay thai. She's she's actually uh, quite good. It's just 
lately she says she's just, she's getting lazy and she doesn't want to do it anymore. Now. Dang, dude, that, that, that'll humble you. Man, I would, I'd probably be in a lot less fights if I knew my wife could submit me in some kind of like arm bar or something. If it, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> things get it, out works, it works the opposite with us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If I'm, if I'm winning an argument, which doesn't happen often, you'll see her just like run at me and start attacking. That's funny. You're you're uh, four months in, right? Four or six months in? Six months in? Six months in. I keep saying four months, but it's been six months now. Time, uh, time fe- flies. February, yeah. Dude, what was it like getting married in the middle of a, a pandemic? Or I mean, I guess you got married and then you guys enter it entered in right into a global pandemic. Is that my wedding was the most stressful thing I have ever done. Really, I it was to the point where I couldn't lose weight. I, I have to make weight for my fights, and I couldn't I couldn't make <laughs> couldn't lose weight. So, hmm. um, I uh, my my wedding was February first. I had a March uh, March seventh fight. Mm-hmm. So it's all there together. We were buying this house. We bought this house February fifteenth, and we started construction. And, um, I got kicked out of my old place because something was going on. I don't remember exactly what, so I had to find a place to move. It was the most stressful time. And I had 400 guests at, at my wedding. Oh my gosh. So between Victoria's family, my family, buying the house, being, get, making sure I stay ready for my fight. I don't think I've ever been that stressed. <laughs> I didn't even know what stress was until then. I was so stressed. <laughs> I was so stressed. I couldn't lose weight on yeah. my wedding day. I woke up and I ran about like 30, maybe 40 minutes on a, on a treadmill just to keep my weight down. And then, and then we went to do the whole wedding, but yeah, man, it was, it was so stressful to be honest with you. Not living together was just stressful. Um, <laughs> this is, a, this is another long story, but it's kind of funny. So I asked Victoria's parents to marry her maybe like, I want to say three years ago or two years ago. And the first thing they said to me was, no, no, thank you. Mm, Wow. They just said no. And uh, I was like, (laughs) oh my God. (laughs) Where did you go from there? I was like, what's going on here? (laughs) So I, I was like, oh my gosh, okay. And I was like, calm down, Benny, calm down. And I was like, well... Why not? She, they're like, well, we don't like your job. Uh, we don't know about your business. I, I, I own an MMA gym as well now. It okay. could go out any day. Uh, you need to go back to school. I was like, I can't go back to school <laughs> yeah. at this point. You know how far off I am? If I start, if I go back to school, I'll, I'll lose everything. Yeah. Anyways, it turned into a big argument. And Victoria was about to leave the house and she was going to come live with me. And I was like, wait a minute, you can't live with me if we're not married. So I called my pastor and my pastor's like, well, this is a tough one. Uh, what do you think about doing like a secret wedding? Like we just get married. Yeah. Uh, like we'll, we'll, we'll have you guys married in the morning or, or like the next day. And then, um, and then you, you guys will, you know, do it again uh, once everything's right. over. So, yeah. uh, that's that's where we're headed and then victoria starts packing up and she's about to leave the house and and her mom's like okay 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 let's calm down <laughs> if we're gonna she was throwing an ultimatum out there and yeah she was hoping like we would comply but victoria didn't and 
So she's like, okay, okay, come back down. Let's talk again. So we yeah. went back in and we started talking. Now the terms changed. Now it went from me having to finish school to Victoria has to finish school, which she was going to do. We were, I was never going to stop her from right. finishing school. She, she was in nursing school and she had okay. two years left. Wow. So she, uh, uh, she finishes nursing school. I had to wait two years cause I, you know, we could have been married way earlier and she finishes nursing school and then we finally get married. So like, I, I waited an extra two and a half years because that's of, a journey uh, man. because of that. But it, 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 it was really hard on us. It caused yeah. a lot of problems because mm. our families were interwoven in every, everything we had because mm. I didn't live uh, with her and, 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 you know, she lived with her mom. My mom has her own place, but majority of the time she would stay with me. Mm. So like, we were having all these problems and there's too many, too many cooks in the kitchen and yeah. everybody wanted to do the things their way. And it just, it was a really difficult time for me. What's a, what's your wife's heritage? If you don't mind me asking. She's Vietnamese. Oh, Vietnamese. And so, I mean, cause family dynamics and culture plays a huge difference. Are, so you're a Syrian or do you, is your family Persian? You're, I said you're, you're born in Iran. So, so you're not, not born in Iran. I'm not Persian. Assyrian, like uh, the ones who uh, sacked uh, Israel. Right. Like that. I'm that kind of Assyrian. I speak yeah. Aramaic. Um, yeah, we don't really have a country anymore, but we, uh, in Iraq, like northern Iraq, Nineveh Plains, in parts of Iran, uh, not so much Turkey because of the genocide. Most of the Assyrians are gone there. So yeah. I- Iran, Iraq, Syria, those are the places where we we still have a pretty pre, pretty large population. I would say around like 1.5 million people are still left there in Iran wow. or in that Middle East area. And then you have a huge population in America, Chicago, uh, mm-hmm. California, uh, Australia has a ton, Sweden. Yeah. So there's still some left, but uh, scattered. Yeah. And then Victoria, Vietnamese, her parents came here when they were not that young. They were older. You know, they they... They speak English, but obviously it's not their ideal language. They much prefer, yeah. uh, they would much prefer to speak Vietnamese. Yeah. So now that you're married, uh, you got six months under your belt. Uh, as far when you're thinking through just like, man, all right, I want to be a leader for my family. I want to like, God's called me to point my family to Jesus. I know that kids are something that you're hoping for in the future. What, like, what's your mindset when you're just thinking through how to be the spiritual leader of your home? You know, when I was young, I I don't joke about like the savage thing. Like you try to have me read a book. And I remember when I was young, reading a book was the most difficult thing for me. Hmm. I remember when I had to do homework when I was in uh, like middle school and high school, I would literally have to go to the bathroom. Like that's how much I dreaded it. Hmm. It would make me have to go to the bathroom. And yeah, I don't want that for my kids hmm. because reading was so important for me when I started to read, especially obviously when I started reading scripture, it completely changed everything. I want my kids to be the opposite of that. I want them to be able to just read for fun. If they want to like, if they want to have a good time, okay, we'll just read. I think that's, that's one of the big things. If they can just read for fun, I'm going to put as much, as much scripture related stuff close to them so they can read it. It'll be fun to them. That's one of my goals. Another goal is, you know, I, after I retire from fighting, I want to be a missionary, but hmm. 
my kids have to be with me throughout the whole process. Like I don't plan on just leaving my kids at home and then traveling. I, I need them to see, I need them to see the world because I've seen the world and I, one, I know how fortunate I am to be in America and two, to see the world uh, and to see the need in the world, then you truly will have a heart uh, after, uh, after God. Mm-hmm. Um, you go out there and you see all this stuff and you say like, okay, how do I help? Like, and I know it happens with everyone. I haven't met a single person who hasn't gone on a mission trip with me or, or a friend who wasn't like, man, this is horrible. Yep. How do I help? I've never met anyone who just said, okay, that was horrible. Can't wait to get home and just yep. not think about it anymore. Every single yep. person I've met, they all uh, ha- have said that. So that's what I want for my kids. Yeah, like one, I, I want that. them to be able to just read. And two, they have to be in the mission field with me. I love that, man. I mean, the those are two huge goals and amazing goals for your kids. One, just pe- what, I, what I'm translating when I'm hearing you say I want them to read is just like from an early age, piquing their curiosity about Christ, like getting as much in front of them to read and to just like start to learn about Christ and the things of God early. I love that. And then having them join you in mission, which is so, so you have a, you have a uh, orphanage that you just started in Haiti, right? You actually used one of your bonuses, your fight bonuses to start the. Yeah. the we started orphanage. in like April or May and I had a bonus. My uh, last fight, I, uh, again, I had one of those crazy fights. It, it, it seems to be a 2020 thing. Yeah. Uh, and I got a bonus and before, uh, before the fight, uh, it just was, I, I remember I, I, I read stuff. Uh, I read a lot of news and I, 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 I like to uh, listen to, uh, certain people. And I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Tim Ballard. He has a couple of operations where he helps, uh, uh, like he'll stop sex trafficking and child trafficking. Is he the guy that has like the actual, like he's built up kind of like a little army of people that are going around doing that? Or am I thinking of somebody else? You might be right. Tim Ballard, he has, uh, it's like Operation Rescue. He has the Nazarene uh, okay. uh, Foundation. So he's yeah. got a couple. Yeah. And he goes around just doing that. And I listened to one of his interviews and he was talking about Haiti. And he said, Haiti is like one of the most common places that this happens. Hmm. And I thought to myself, Haiti of all places. I've been there, you know, like I, yeah. I was there. I saw it. You're telling me the kids just disappear there. And he was kind of explaining the details. And he's, he basically said like the way they do it is through orphanages. He, he says they set up these fake orphanages and you can go to these orphanages and you just say, Hey, I'll give you like a thousand bucks or 10,000, whatever the price might be. And, and you just get to take a kid home oh and nobody asks any questions. Oh my gosh. And I remember listening to it and I just, it was like, I, I was so angry, but at the same time, I was so sad because I was there and, and I, and I was held, I'm, I'm even before the orphanage, we were working with uh, Leo, who's a pastor in Haiti. We, we do a feeding, I was doing a feeding program there with our church and we, we started a school there for the kids, but like. I never knew about this stuff. Like I obviously I I figured it happens everywhere, but I didn't know it was that bad there. Yeah. So it it just, that saddened my heart and I just couldn't get over it. And the only thing that that kept popping into my head was the orphanages, how they use orphanages. Like how evil do you have to be to do that? Anyways. Yeah. 
that stuck in my head. And I said to myself, I can't go out there and punish every evil person. It's just, not, it's not going to happen. I can't find that. But what I can do is stop the action before it ever starts. Hmm. Um, if I can go out there and open up orphanages and put these kids in a safe place, then I don't have to worry about this. Hmm. It, I mean, you always have to worry, but you're at least you're taking something. Uh, I always say better to, um, Prevention is better than cure kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah. you're preventing it before you you ever let it start. So uh, that's, that's where that idea came from. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I started uh, telling, uh, messaging Leo and asking him questions about like doing an orphanage. What's it going to require? Like do how much paperwork we need? And he basically said, it's like a $50. You go pay $50 and that's it. You can start an orphanage in Haiti. True. And I couldn't believe it. And I, yeah. I, I anyways i said okay so like there's no government regulation he's like no i said okay well he's like what i started asking about costs and things like that and he kind of went through the cost with me and i said okay it wasn't something the cost isn't anything crazy but at the same time you know i i want to make sure i can do this for for as long as we have to right i'm hopefully it's forever like are we uh, until every parent takes care of their kid and we don't need any more orphanages. So I know God provides daily, but I also wanted something, something big to start with. And, and I thought to myself, you know, in the next fight, if, if I get a bonus, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. And sure enough, I got a bonus. <laughs> Dude, uh, man, it's I love hearing your heart, dude. It's so cool to watch you and your like the way that God has taken your savage heart and He's uh, made it into this uh, beast mode teddy bear. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you're spinning back fists on a on a Saturday and uh, helping house orphans uh, on a Monday. Dude, you just God's doing some cool things in your life, man. Thanks, I love man. it. That's grace. That's yeah. that's yep. grace. If, if people can't understand it and they don't mm-hmm. understand what I'm saying. You need to understand grace. If you understand yep. grace, you'll understand everything. Yep. I have a feeling there are going to be a, a lot more guys who didn't know that they were fight fans all of a sudden uh, are going to turn into uh, fight fans watching your next fight. You, you probably don't know when next fight will be for you. I imagine. I don't, I yeah. don't. They're talking about possible quick turnaround against the top ranked guy, but I have my doubts. I'm not a guy like, you know, one of the reasons uh, you don't see me often is because I'm not I'm not very social media savvy. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on social media. I don't do the whole Twitter thing where yeah. oh, that's my wife back there, Victoria. Victoria, <laughs> say hi. Nice to meet you, Victoria. Is she a nurse? She is. Yeah. Jared says hi, Victoria. <laughs> um, I don't. You know, I don't talk smack on Twitter. I'm. I'm I don't. Yeah. You know, do the whole posting thing three times a day, whatever yeah. it is. I, I'm just not that big. I have 18 fights in the UFC. A lot of people still don't know who I am. They're like, oh my gosh, you must be new. I'm like, eh, not really. And <laughs> yeah. then they'll, they'll look at my history and they'll be like, oh crap, this guy has a ton of fights. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, it's just, uh, I, if guys don't want to fight me. Uh, I'm, I don't, I'm like a lose, lose situation. You fight mm-hmm. a really tough guy, you might beat him, but like, it doesn't do much for your stock. Right. So 
guys behind me in rankings want to fight me because like they're like well at least if i beat him i go up in the rankings right. guys in front of me they're like no thanks it doesn't it doesn't help my name and it, it like financially it doesn't make yeah yeah there's a good risk yeah, yeah there's a good risk they might lose well i have a feeling uh again i'm no expert here I'm I'm no Ariel Hwani, you know, doing some some reporting, but uh, I I just have a feeling that uh that's going to be changing here for you pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, man, God willing, God willing, I can get some big, you know. I mean, I think all these fights are big, but just I can move up the rankings and uh, whatever whatever God's will is, I'll yeah. I'll take it. I'm not I'm not too worried about it. Well, when you're when you are champion, uh, don't forget about your friends here at Dad Tired. And, Definitely uh, not, <laughs> dude. It's been so fun, man. Just hearing some of your story, and uh, my wife's family is from Iran, uh, so they are actually are Persian. And oh, my really? wife's also, my wife's also a nurse, uh, so I feel like we got some a uh, little bit of connection. That's a lot in common, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell her I speak Farsi, but my Farsi is not great. Yeah, I, uh, I was gonna ask. Yeah, at home I speak Aramaic, so okay, uh, I, yeah. So that's my uh, main language, but. I speak Farsi as well. Dang, I understand. Yeah. I understand it, but it's. Uh, I'm a little bit slower when I speak Farsi. Yeah, just three languages and got an orphanage going and moving your rank, moving up the ranks in UFC. Just not too busy owning a gym. <laughs> Recently married. You got a lot going on, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm going to tell you guys a secret. The secret is delegation. Find good people. Yeah, and delegate, and that's that's what I've done a lot. Like all these things you mentioned, the only one I I do is is the fighting part. Yeah, the orphanage, Pastor Leo really takes care of my gym. Actually, my wife does most of the work. Mm, yeah. uh, she she runs all the administration and um, ma- ma- management stuff. I have two of my best friends as coaches, mm. so that's that's a. Uh, that's one of the things I would uh, give advice to. You don't have to do everything. I, yeah. I, and I remember reading this in, uh, I believe it was in Exodus with Moses, mm. you know, or is it maybe Genesis? I don't remember exactly. But Moses' uh, father-in-law tells him, look, dude, you're doing too much. You're right. going to break down. You're not going to make it. You have to be able to trust others and delegate. Yeah. And, and that's basically where I got that from. I might do it too much now, but it's, uh, <laughs> I love it, man. It I works. It. I love it, man. Dude. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy. You got a lot of people fighting for your attention right now, but this is, it's meant a lot to me to hear your story. You as well. Take care, right. brother. God bless you. You too. See ya. Hey guys, if you have any dad friends who are also UFC fans, make sure to send them this episode. Thanks for listening to you guys. I love you. I'll see you next week. See ya. Six feet under.